Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is episode 108 with Roshini Rajkumar. Welcome to the As Told by Nomads podcast, where you'll learn how nomads, third culture kids, entrepreneurs, and leaders all over the world embrace their global identity and use their difference to make a difference. And now, having lived on four different continents, here's your host, Tyo Roxit. Welcome, everybody. Today, I have with me Roshini Rajkumar, and she is an amazing person. She is a communications coach who has coached the leadership of Fortune 500 companies like Bridgestone Americas, Minnesota Vikings, Minnesota Timberwolves, and many other business communications. She's also an adjunct professor of communications at St. Catherine University, and is a licensed attorney. Wow. She also holds a BA in political science from Boston College, and right now she lives in Minneapolis. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, the pleasure is all mine. So today, you know, you have such a wealth of experience, but... Before we get into the crux of the topic, I wanted you to sort of give the audience an idea of who you are. Because I was reading your bio and I didn't even know you were a lawyer until I started reading that. A licensed attorney. But we talked on before, you said you, you know, you've got this extensive background in media, your communications coach. So I'm curious as to how you started and got into all these fields. Well, I mean, my first career was as a television news reporter and anchor. So I worked in a few different network affiliates around the United States and really had that experience with communicating and being playing myself on TV, but really interviewing people, checking out all different kinds of people in order to get my news story done every day. And I also had that opportunity to perform on air as well as live in front of people. So that really was a big basis for what I do now as I coach executives and other business people with their own speaking and media endeavors. Mm -hmm. So that I spent about a decade in television news on camera doing different kinds of live shots as well as you know you spend the day interviewing and then you pull it together into a story. 
And then for almost 10 years now, I have had my own business and I'm a professional speaker and communication coach. I deal with companies and powerful presence or leadership presence, as some like to call it, and how delivery, both how you speak, your body language, your vocal behavior, your messaging, your wardrobe, all of these things play in to powerful presence. It really does start with how well you're able to communicate any kind of message verbally and non-verbally. Gotcha. No, I'm so with you on that. And one of the things I was fascinated with by your background is uh, you you talk about communicating with millennials in the workplace. And anyone that's done research on millennials know that, you know, it's the most diverse generation. It's the largest generation. And, and we're at a time now where we are probably experiencing the first time we have five generations in the workforce, I believe so. And one of the things that I people, most popular questions I get asked is how can we interact with millennials? I'm a millennial myself, so people are always asking me that. But I love the fact that you, you know, you're an expert in this and you deal with this type of stuff. So I wanted to maybe start off with why you feel like millennials are very, very important to understand in the workforce. They are such a strong force right now, even if not all of them are in the leadership of all companies. Mm-hmm. But the ranks, especially, I mean, think of like an Airbnb. Their CEO is a millennial. So it's not like your generation isn't leading these global companies. They, they really, you really, in fact, are. So all of the rest of us, I'm a Gen Xer, uh, all of the rest of us have to understand the specific needs of how millennials communicate, uh, how they take in information, how they receive information, both in nonprofit settings, in corporate settings, as well as just those technical details of day-to-day communication. So we can't sit and do status quo or what our the rest of us who are non-millennials feel comfortable with. We have to take maybe the best of our styles of communication and try to teach that to millennials and then also understand how they're communicating in the workplace in order to better communicate with them. Yeah, I love it. And I I agree with you completely. It's, you know, you see all these, especially in tech, a lot of millennials uh, tend to be the CEOs. But I'm I'm curious, though, how can leaders relate to millennial employees? You know, because we have definitely different mindsets uh, than generations before us. Well, it's it's kind of two-pronged. First of all, it's good to arm yourself with information. So I teach a communication formula that I created to all my clients. It's called the IAP formula. And the A stands for audience analysis. So before you can really have any kind of communication moment, email, phone call, meeting with a millennial, it's best to understand who they are. Do your audience analysis on them. Understand the data points about how this generation communicates. And then more specifically, each person should take it upon themselves to understand the individual specific millennial. So if someone's communicating with you, for example, they need to make sure they are uh, understanding who you are. I mean, did you go to it? You know, you've lived on five continents or in five countries. Mm -hmm. Do you feel... Do they know that about you? If they knew that about you, how they go in and communicate with you will be much more powerful and effective. So that audience analysis piece is really important. Important. Gather the data about the person or people who will be in front of you. If it's a group who all happen to go to the same university, 
find, you know, take a few minutes and find out a little bit about that university's alma mater or some of its slogans. And that can be incorporated into how you communicate with that specific person. That absolutely plays out for, for millennials, but people can take that same advice when they're communicating with other generations. Gotcha, gotcha. And so the I is um, individual, right? The I is intent. Intent. Okay, intent. The A is audience analysis, and the P is powerful performance. So the intent is always about you, the communicator. But the powerful performance, how you communicate, the email, the phone call, the meeting, the interview, how you perform is always about your audience. So if you don't do adequate or in fact, really good audience analysis, then your powerful performance won't hit the mark and you will not accomplish your intent. Where I see people failing to accomplish their intent is when they do not make that performance about the audience, they make it about themselves, and that is a recipe for possible disaster. Wow, so you really need to focus on the audience. You have to have that intention. Your research has to be catered towards the group you're intended to, um, to reach. And then the performance has to be about them, not you. Precisely. It wow. always has to be about them, not you. But you can't shortcut the rest of the formula. We need to pin down what our intent is. We need to really make sure that that is a focused, what I like to say, action verb oriented, short intent line, very short phrase, not a long, long sentence with commas. So you know where you're going based on who this audience is. So mm -hmm. that intent line is really important. It's your guide. Love it, love it. Now, millennials are so driven to advanced careers, right? They're, I can speak to myself as to how I'm, you know, maybe people say, oh, you're, you're always thinking of this. You're like thinking of way ahead of your time. And that's what a Gen X or a baby boomer would tell me that, well, there's certain steps. How do you channel this energetic uh, presence that a lot of millennials have when they just want to do so many things at the same time? And maybe other generations might have felt like, well, you didn't, you know, do what you needed to do to get here. You can't just get there magically. So how do you channel that? Well, the millennial hopefully will take it as his or her responsibility to be as powerful as he or she can be. I always say that merit is important. Now that probably comes from the fact that I'm a Gen Xer and that's a big <laughs> part of the personality traits or the stereotypes of Gen Xers, but nothing really does shortcut doing some of the work, right? Mm -hmm. I give millennials a lot of credit for having a lot of uh, information and a big le leg up on the rest of us when it comes to technology. But sometimes millennials have to understand that major work cannot always get accomplished via text. Mm -hmm. So they have to push themselves to say and do their own audience analysis in order to have a powerful performance. What is it that's in front of me? What leadership role do I want? Or which group do I want to be part of? Or which magazine do I want interviewing me on my road to the top? They have to also expect to do some of the legwork. It's not just going to be handed to you. And that really has nothing to do with what the generations are. That just is our work environment. And if you think back in history, and even think in modern day, nothing is really handed to people. And if it is, that is probably not the most effective leader. And that's probably going to fall apart if a, a key leadership role is just handed to someone without 
true legwork and true experience. You know, one thing that you touched on there was personal branding, right? Uh, and I know you said that's yes. not specific to generations, but I, I can't agree with you more. Because when I first came to the United States, I was 17. My dad's a diplomat. That's why I moved around a lot. Uh, but I was 17 um, in Virginia, and I, I knew I wanted to compete in the media industry, but I just knew I didn't have the experience. So I started really early getting into Twitter, Facebook, and all that. And people always ask me, why, why are you doing this type of stuff? I mean, no one even knows what this is going to be. But I was like, well, this is something I understand. I want to be able to have a presence when someone Googles me, and I want to be able to be able to brand myself so I can have a leg up on my you know, older generations in case you know, I, I had a resume. And right. I had no idea. I was just saying that because it's like, ah, oh, fine, I'll just get on Twitter early. I'll get on Facebook early. Do you think, though, now that as we are advancing and it's been, what, seven years since that's happened, Facebook is big, Instagram is big, every sort of digital media is big, Airbnb, you have Uber, people are forming companies without physical presences. How do you feel like millennials need to focus and channel the personal brands and, and parlay that into employment? Well, a personal brand is always with you, you know, from a young age till the day you die, it's there with you. So even if most of the outlets are online outlets, you can still make sure those online outlets are really polished. So your Twitter page really speaks to us and tells us who you are, tells us the kind of goals you want uh, to get across, your LinkedIn, your Facebook, your Instagram, whatever platforms you choose to use. I'm also big on quality over quantity. So I would say not to have five or six or seven different social media uh, outlets. And some might disagree with me on that, but I would say choose the two, maybe three tops that really are ones you're going to be on. You can watch over your profile page. You can do the majority, if not all, of your posting and the communication back and forth with others so that when they see, when people see, even from your online presence, you're basically making a kind of splash that intrigues them and makes them want to meet with you personally. And then when you do have the opportunity to meet in person or by phone or Skype, when you're actually speaking with someone, it's important to apply the IAP formula again, figure <laughs> out who that audience is. I mean, it really goes back to that. I've just found now in almost 10 years of teaching this to my clients and to different audiences when I give keynotes, no one has ever told me this formula doesn't work. Right. When they use it, they tell me they have bigger results, they're more efficient with their preparation, and many of them have told me they can't believe how big their results are when they're so focused on that intent line and they do their due diligence when it comes to audience analysis. So it really does apply to all different kinds of settings. It, uh, it absolutely applies to your personal brand. So here's an example I can share from my own world. About a month ago, we launched my new website. So I've had a website for you know a while, as long as I've had a company. And we I just really wanted a major refresh. And when we launched it, we still wanted to be true to my colors, red, black, and white. We wanted to be true to some of my key phrases and the language I use. So my web team and I worked very diligently to make sure it didn't go too far out of the brand that I have been uh, putting out there and protecting for almost a decade as a business owner. So even when you're talking about your website for your company, or if you don't have a company, your profile page on LinkedIn, or if you have a bio page on your business website of your company you work for, these are all things you have some mini control to, to protect and to direct 
how your message is out there. So we are always able to think about things in terms of personal brand. I'm also a big believer in controlling the images that are out there. Now, you cannot always prevent it if someone decides to tag you in a photo on (laughs) Facebook or Instagram, right? Right. You can start by making sure you don't let photos uh, too revealing or obnoxious photos of you be taken because you never know where they're going to go. But if there are people in your world tagging you and commenting, you want to make sure you're monitoring that. And if you need to take things down or things like that or ask people to adjust their behavior because it's hurting your brand, those are some crucial conversations you've got to think about having. Absolutely, and I love it. Control your your images. Control your your your. Um, I guess how you're branded and how you're perceived. Control the narrative. That's what I was looking for. And one thing that you you touched on was something that I know that you're very big on, which is parlaying that digital presence into some form of physical presence or close to it with Skype. And you always say, say no to networking, but yes to growing your network. Now. Right. It's really about relationship building. So the different opportunities that you do find yourself in when you can be live or pseudo live with people, how are you dressing? What kind of phraseology and vocal behavior are you using? It's not like you have to give a speech every time, but all of us have opportunities to go to business breakfasts or happy hours or lunches that we're invited to to meet new people who are friends or colleagues of other people in our networks. Those are all opportunities in kind of low pressure moments to put our brand out there in an authentic either face-to-face or close-to-face-to-face situation. So I would really like millennials to think about those opportunities as laying the groundwork for future amazing results, whether it's a leadership position you want or the contact uh, to someone who could be a future client, whatever it may be, you always are in these situations that some people kind of treat as throwaway. I'm saying think of that as relationship building, not even networking, and you'll have more fun with it. Love it. Nick, I want to go into this. I want to dig deeper into this. Communicating with millennials, right? People always say there's several types of ways to communicate with millennials, but I want to first switch it and tilt it the other way and say, you said, think of it as relationship buildings and as relationship building, relationship building, and millennials should look at it from that point of view. Do you think that there are any tips you can offer millennials where they've made that point of connection on LinkedIn or Twitter? Now they're going to reach out to the person that's an influencer and a decision maker. What are three things they can do and work on to make sure that they're actively communicate that message? Well, again, we don't want, this will be a communication endeavor and you maybe are doing it via email or phone call or Skype or whatever it may be. We still need to make that performance about the audience. So try to go into it, not just asking about what you need, but what is it, where, where are some areas you connect with your target? So maybe it's, for instance, I went undergraduate, I went to Boston College, and I'm very active in volunteering for undergraduate admissions. So when there are people from my state of Minnesota who are interested in going to Boston College, I make myself available to answer questions, and recently I was reviewing some of these high schoolers' essays. Well, some of these people are reaching out to me mainly because of our 
connection of the same university. They want to get into it. I went to it. So these are, when they reach out, that's probably the first line that they're going to say. I know you went to Boston College wondering if you can do X, right? Mm-hmm. And Or maybe you start by recognizing they just had a baby or just had an award or you just saw them on TV and you really liked their quote, whatever, and then gradually go into what it is that you want. I mean, you don't want to have too much extra verbiage, but try not to make that email only about yourself is the big message. Yeah, you say IAP, and that does, I, I can already see it. it. It certainly applies to every single thing that you've, you've imagined, and I can see how that makes sense for all your clients because it's exactly right. Um, and with- you can use it in business settings for sure. That's why I created it. But I have clients who tell me they use it with their kids and their spouses or significant others, and they have more effective conversations and better results with them. So you can really play it in all areas of life. You can use it if you're asking someone out for a date i mean it really does apply but it's really about being true to that audience analysis piece and then making sure that communication moment is about the audience and not you love it love it now the other side understanding the communication style of millennial uh or the methods that millennials like to reach that a gen xer listening to this right now a baby boomer listening to this thinking you know i have such a big company I, I'm just looking for the next set of leaders. I just don't know how to communicate with, with the, these young guns. <laughs> hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. What would you tell that Gen X or that baby boomer? What would you tell them to do and focus on? Well, I know I IAP. Them, I know IAP is one of them. <laughs> but, but, well, yeah. First, I tell them to get over it. They've uh, got to get over the negative attitude. Oh, okay. Because that negative feeling just ends up putting a bit of a cloud over your own ability to communicate with someone else. So, if you start with more of an open attitude, you know, we're looking at four and five generations in the workplace right now. It's the reality. So. Anyone, no matter the generation, if you think that things are going to stay status quo or how you prefer them, you're you're going to fail pretty fast. So really opening up your eyes, opening up your minds, and ultimately opening up your heart to different kinds of people and try to not think of anyone as the other. Try to think and mold into more of the we. How can we accomplish our goals or we as a team? 
What are we going to do together? And knowing if you're the leader of that team, that the blend of opinions from all different generations or, you know, different people from different countries like you and I are foreign born. I mean, the bottom line is how can all of those things be assets? So if we start to think of the varying generations as assets versus something I have to quote unquote deal with, that is a much better attitude to start. Love it, love it. Now, women, millennial women, I feel, I feel like are one of the most underserved, women in general, um, I always feel like they're underserved and they have so much say in the market and I feel like their voices are not given the, the credence that it needs to be. So, but when I talk to men in the workplace, they always say, oh, well, we heard them, we heard them, we already heard, but I always feel like they're not listening. And and you being a woman of influence, a woman who's, who's been successful, I wanted to know, from your opinion, what that communication style needs to be to a millennial woman or a woman in general in the workforce. Because I feel like, like I said, they, they have significant say in, in the market force and also have a lot to offer, period. It's unfortunate that even though we're in, you know, the year that we're in, we still have some very old world thinking when it comes to women's voices and women as influencers. I do not know that if in my lifetime this will change. And I hope it does for people coming up under me. That being said, you just have to know going into any setting when you're a woman, definitely a millennial woman, but really a woman of any age, that you just have to look good and sound good and stand up straight and get your point across. So if you go in kind of with that uh, intentional zone, you know, almost like if you think of the movies, the Rocky movies and that kind of eye of the tiger, you know, really be that person and not a victim. I don't want women to think of themselves as victims, but just realize that you will most likely have to prove yourself even more in order to be heard. So sometimes that means we've got to blend how we want to communicate with what is needed for that setting. So if we have a majority of male people in our audience of men, we need to maybe be a little more succinct. So get right to the point, state what you want, back it up with the evidence and close it out or make the call to action. But we can't be sitting there and telling long, long prefaces to what our opinion is. Because when we do that, the subtextual message, and there's a subtextual message to everything we do, say, wear, whatever. The subtextual message to long drawn out things is that we are less confident in what we're about to recommend or what our opinion is. So I would say make it as short and sweet as possible. And then if people want clarifying information, they will follow up with questions, which of course, all of you great women out there will be ready to answer. Now, what about us men? What can we do to give women a voice in the workplace to understand women and not to dismiss them? Because I, I know many times, whether it's misogyny or whether it's just pure ignorance, men do that all the time. Uh, and I, I want to know, and there are a lot of cultural implications as well. I could, you know, we both came from foreign countries and I've been in several countries where it's, it's a male-dominated type of culture. But I'm curious from your perspective, since you've been doing this uh, for a while, and you're, you know, like once again, you're, you're the intended demographic. What do men, or what do women want to hear from men? And how can they really be heard? Well, 
so the first part of your question is, well, what can men do? Well, right. first of all, just knowing that this is out there, you know, just because you started in kindergarten with these girls, you know, at some point something switched and it's uh -huh. usually about the middle management level and men are, the world opens up for them to fly higher. So in any level of an organization, if the men can be respectful, if the men can make sure they wait and hear out the entire sentence before they jump in. So part one is being a good listener. Part two is wherever you are as a man in the grand scheme of your company, if you can be a mentor or a sponsor to other people, both men and women, why not choose a couple women who are coming up under or who just are new to the company or whatever the case may be and introduce them around, introduce them to some influencers. Your very name next to them might actually help open some doors. It solidifies, remember, your relationship building in your world too solidifies your relationship building and down the line you know anyone remembers when someone made them feel welcome and affirmed them or yeah. made a valuable connection for them let's say down the line that woman that you've taken I don't want to say taken under your wing but that's kind of the cliche but that you've decided to mentor or sponsor let's say that woman is at your same company or leaves the company and is in this amazing position and is asked well, do you have blah, blah, blah? Do you have a recommendation for this blah, blah, blah position? And let's say you're that perfect fit. Don't you think they're going to remember the kindness you extended, the professionalism you showed them, and you may get a call about that lucrative position. So it really does. What goes around comes around. I really believe in that. But it starts with this intentional relationship development as early as possible, no matter which generation you find yourself. And the millennials can really teach the rest of us how to do that naturally because you all are out there with you know men and women in the workplace who have pretty much been given a lot of great opportunities. You know tech equally so, right? right. So this, you are a generation who could really be such a force if both the men and women in your generation are able to be respectful, respect and mentor one another, or mentor and sponsor one another, it starts with listening, though. So there is that habit of, we say stereotypically, that men will jump in, cut people off, try to hear out whoever the speaker is before you jump in. And that goes hand in hand with women needing to keep their comments tight sometimes in order to make sure they're heard as they build the credibility. You know, the more credibility you have, the longer speaking time you're, you know, you become, uh, you are afforded by your colleagues. No, no, that's, uh, it's absolutely fantastic. And it's, you're, just, you're the second person I've interviewed who's, I was interviewing someone about communicating women and they said the same thing. It's all about listening uh, many times and it's really understanding the points and really giving them a chance to express themselves. So thank you so much for saying that because like you said I do feel like it's underserved and it all goes back to that point that Cheryl Sandberg always brings in it's we all have to lean in uh, both men yes. and women so yes and the thing is it really does come down to personal responsibility so as much as I want to empower women I never ever want them to take on the victim role they just have to see you know in some in some zones the deck is stacked against them and it's just the reality and being angry about it or having that as a chip on your shoulder isn't going to help but what i say is if you know it 
the more data points you can understand about the job interview you're about to have or the work environment you're in, the more you can adjust your communication to get your intended results uh, happening for you. Perfect. Now, your research has led you to a lot of things on millennials. What are the professional values that you found that millennials care about the most and how can that affect the leadership potential? I find that millennials really want to be part of something that's a greater whole. This really plays itself out most visibly in the nonprofit, nonprofit or philanthropic zones. They don't just want to write a check. I mean, I'm guessing you're a millennial. Maybe you feel this way. You want to know, well, where is my time or the resources I'm giving or that check I'm about to write? Where is it going? So maybe you want more interaction. So that's what I'm seeing in with millennials is that philanthropy zone. They really want to be part of something. They're much more apt to give of time, start a foundation, you know, volunteer, build a Habitat for Humanity house than just write a check that goes somewhere and you assume it's getting used. No, so that's a really key key no, zone. You're right. Yeah, I think we all want to be we all want to be part of something. We want to make sure we're, we're making an impact. We want to feel connected. Uh, I think one of my frustrations. I've I've worked in the corporate world. Was my first job when I got an undergrad, and one of my frustrations was I felt like all the decisions were being made without uh, I had no input because I would come in and I'd be like ah, and you know it wasn't even <laughs> that I wanted to. I didn't want to like be the boss or anything, but I just felt like you know. Something just happened and they changed and I just found out the rules changed the next day. And I was like, ah, seriously, what happened? I just want to know what well, happened. Well, and it's interesting because someone's direct boss, their direct manager, really has the most influence over their balance as well as their morale at work, right? Mm -hmm. You could have the greatest CEO in a company, but if your direct manager or boss is a jerk, their day-to-day -day life is not going to be that fun. So, you know, and sometimes you have no choice. You need to keep that job or you have that boss. Mm -hmm. But let it be an inspiration to not be that person when you become the boss mm -hmm. or figure out ways to manage, you know, what are the little ticks that that person has or what do they like, what don't they like, and then plan your communication with them accordingly so that your own work environment and work life can be more productive and peaceful right thank you i love it love it so you know part of what we do at is told by nomads is get in depth on, on some of the interviewers you said you had a sri lankan background how was it growing up and adjusting to the Amer i mean maybe I'm, I'm assuming you came here early to the states but how was the family dynamic yes well i was born in sri lanka and came to the states when i was almost two so yes i, I was quite young and my parents I think the only regret that they have is that they didn't speak uh, their native tongue in the house because they wanted us to really learn our English well. Mm -hmm. It turns out I understand the native tongue, but I cannot speak it. So that's kind of how it's played out in my world. Right. But we did, we did grow up with some of the Eastern and Sri Lankan traditions, whether it was food. Uh, we happen to be Catholic, so it's, you know, the religion is not really a big difference for us here in the U.S. But we do have certain certain traditions that my mother is really into, especially around New Year's, that uh, we still kind of follow. I would say some of it is the food. You know, the obvious, I love South Asian food the best. Yeah. <laughs> it's healthy and I love it. But the other is really more that Eastern mentality. I tend to bring more of a global Eastern view 
to a lot of problem solving and how we take people in. There isn't always a clean cut black and white answer. Exactly. And it seems that the Eastern mentality deals with that a little better in general than the Western mentality. No, you're so right. I mean, because I, I grew up in Western and Eastern and, you know, a lot, a lot of Nigerian traditions are very, I'm the oldest of, th- of three boys, but I was always in a tradition that you always have to, you know, grow up pretty quickly. There's a lot of family-oriented values. People are looking at you beyond your immediate family. And one of my frustrations as I was doing research was I felt like a lot of the, whether it was millennial research or diversity research was Western-centered. So I started focusing on making that more global in terms where I can, you know, give an, give an European view, give an African view, give a, an Asian view. And you're so right. I think when you do that mix, you can see certain nuances but you can also have a more holistic view of where to adjust because it's not a one-size-fits-all many times. Exactly. It's pretty much never a one-size-fits-all, right? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And it's it's not. So, no, I was was very curious about that because I I know that that sometimes plays a role into a lot of things we do. And a lot of things that we do, speaking of um, a multifaceted person, is you did a lot of media, and you still are. You still do a lot of media. But I was reading your bio, Vikings. Minnesota Timberwolves, obviously you're very, very Minnesota-minded, uh, but what has been some of the funnest experiences you've had covering and doing a lot of media? Well, I mean, it, it's kind of different. It's, it's two different worlds. So um, my company is definitely, I have national and international clients. Um, I tend to work with leaders of company of companies, sometimes up and coming leaders, but usually the strategic leaders of the company. And in that role as coach, I have worked with various sports organizations and their leadership. And it's an interesting twist from when I was an actual TV reporter, when I would be interviewing some of those people, as well as players on sports teams or CEOs of companies. Now I'm coaching those people to go out and either publicly speak or internally speak or do media interviews in a really powerful way. So that's kind of uh, just how it plays out in my coaching life. My first career before having my own business was as a television reporter and anchor, and that was very much, it changed every day. You know, whatever the news was that day, you're expected to be on it. We gathered the story, whatever story you were assigned, and uh, you deliver it with a live shot, and, and then part of it was a taped package, they're called, on TV, and people get to know you. And I find that I thought I really knew a lot about the world as a TV reporter, and you do become kind of a mini specialist every day. But it was really nine and a half years ago in early 2006 when I started my own business that it was kind of a crash course in an MBA because I was learning about all these different businesses as I was seeking out different clients in corporate settings. And what I can say is all of my life as you know or my career as a TV reporter and being in hot seat scenarios so often really have has played out well now as I um, as I prep others to do their own communication yeah. so um, that is kind of how it plays out and uh, now with three years of having my own radio show on the CBS affiliate in Minneapolis that's been very fun to still stay 
very connected to the media world and be a media insider. And now, you know, at the same time in one week, I might, I'm going to get pitched by different people who want to come on my radio show. And then like later today, I'm going and I'm prepping a team of eight people and helping them with media strategy for their organization and doing some media prep for interviews they're going to be doing. So it's sort of fun to be on both sides of it now. Oh, never, never stops for you. Well, we'll wrap, we'll wrap it up here soon, but I wanted to give the audience a chance to connect with you because I've really enjoyed this talk with you. And, and I know you have many, many platforms. You just talked about how you do two sides. So what's the best place to reach you and where can they catch your radio show and, you know, personal columns and things like that? Well, we have quite a bit of information uh, and also free content on our website. So the best way to find us and you can go into whichever portal you want is ownyourwow.com. So ownyourwow.com has my blog it has my book communicate that it also has uh the link to all the linkedin pulses that we do so it's a really good repository as well as my business column that i write every month on personal brand so we make it really easy and have the archives there so people can find a lot of information right there on the website love it love it the last question is what the mission statement of my company is and what the podcast is it's use your difference to make a difference so how roshini do you use your difference to make a difference? That's a really great line. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I, it goes it goes into what I really am coaching everybody, which is how to use communication and the nuances of your own delivery as a communicator to own your wow. And if you're going to own your wow, you really first have to know what it is. <laughs> so really knowing what your gift is and how you can put it out there into the world, both socially and professionally, and then being proud of that. And what I do is I'm that secret weapon for my clients. And I'd like to think even for my radio guests who I'm not coaching, but really helping people bring out that wow and teaching them how to use it and be proud of it and be intentional with it for their own personal and professional goals. Yeah, well, I'm I'm certainly more excited to catch up with more, more of your stuff because I think you have a fascinating background, and I just want to thank you for coming on the show because I know everybody's going to get a lot of out of this uh, interview, and we'll definitely be sending a lot of traffic your way. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure chatting with you, and uh, and I hope you go out and continue to own your wow. Yeah, I own my wow, and then use my difference to make a difference, and then Excellent. be a global leader. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to use your difference to make a difference, as well as for show notes, head over to www.uidmag.com. Till next time, go out and make an impact in your world. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.